would you do me a favor and repeat these words after me? Say no. No. More. More. Excuses. Church, we're in a series talking about no more excuses. Because you can either make excuses in your life, or you can make a difference. But you can't do both. We try to do both, but it's impossible. And I believe, we believe from looking at the Word of God, which we've been doing in this series, that when, when people make excuses, we literally hinder God's work in our lives. We stop God from being able to move in our lives. And it stops us from moving in our purpose. So, so and one of the biggest themes in this series, if you're new, i got to catch you up. Uh, many times an excuse, it's, it's a lie that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Many times an excuse, I don't know if I have that one on the screen, is a lie that we tell ourselves about ourselves, isn't it? Because if you're honest, there's times that you lie to yourself. And if you're thinking right now, no, there's really not times I lie to myself, you might have just lied to yourself, okay? I'm just, there are times we have a capacity to deceive ourselves. Fourth grade was traumatic for your pastor. I've shared some stories out of fourth grade, but you have not heard this one. In fourth grade, 10 years old, in in St. Mary's Catholic grade school, I was sitting with my teacher, Sister Valeria, and the rest of my class, and she had the idea that she was going to record us reading out of a book, record us individually, and then play back the recording so we can hear ourselves and how we're doing. Just a form of torture that she thought would be fun. So the recorder, now this is going to be old school, it was actually like a cassette recorder, and yet you got to hit two buttons at the exact same time. I mean, you Google it later, it doesn't matter, but that's what we're using. So I remember it was my turn to, to read, and she records, and I'm reading out of this book, and it, I think it was either, the, I think it was the next day, I thought it might have been later that day, but it doesn't matter. So the next day, she was going to put the cassette back in the recorder and didn't hit one button to play it, and we would listen. And I remember the next day when she called me up to uh, her desk, Sister Valeria, and I got up there, and, and, and she started playing it. And I'm listening, and I'm like, she is so messed up. Like, she, she doesn't know what she's doing. And I said, and I listened for like 10 seconds, but it wasn't me. And I said, I said, who is this? And she said, this is you. And I said, that's not me. And she said, no, that's you. And I said, that's, that's a girl. And, and she said, no, that's you. And, I, and it hit me. Like, you ever listen to yourself recording? You're like, that ain't me. That, I don't sound like that. I was like convinced. I, you guys, it's the first time I ever heard my own voice recorded. And she's like, and I, it, so it, I just added it to my list of insecurities. I'm like, okay, great. I'm the shortest kid in the class. I just got glasses. And now I sound like Goldilocks, right? There's someone sleeping in my bed. I was just like, are you kidding me? I, I was so devastated. So, but I lied to myself and I'm like, that's not me. That, and we do that, don't we? We'll lie to ourselves, and then we've learned we disguise it as reasons. Oh, the reason that I sound that way, or the reason that I, I'm always tired. The reason I feel worn out is I'm working so much, or I'm not getting enough sleep. We'll even give those reasons to the doctor, right? And then he'll ask questions like, well, are, are, are you eating right? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm doing it right. I don't miss a meal, doc. You know what I'm saying? Are you exercising? I, you know, yesterday I ran down the ice cream truck. Caught it, no problem. Yes, I'm getting it in. Right? We, we make these excuses, we make these reasons, and sometimes, like the theme for today, as we make excuses and we make reasons, what we'll do is we'll kind of point the finger. We'll deflect or try to put the spotlight on somebody else because then it's not on us. In other words, we'll blame. Well, the reason I'm always late, right, because there's always that person that's always late, 
Are, are you that person? Can you admit in church? Like, if you're the person that's always late for anything and everything, raise your hand. Right? Okay. A lot of, a lot of people aren't being honest. That's okay. I mean, this church is where you get, you know. So, you know, a lot of the people aren't even here yet that would raise their hand. So, they're still coming. But, so, um, so, but we give reasons. Like, oh, my gosh, it was traffic. It was construction. It was my alarm. Somebody must have changed the AM to PM. I don't know who did. It wasn't me. It was, it was the dog. It was my spouse. It was my boss. It was my teacher. It was the coworkers. It was the pastor. He just kept going and going and going. Careful. We've, we've only got a couple hours left together, so just relax. So, but it's not our fault. So, so an excuse isn't just a lie you tell yourselves about yourselves, but an excuse when it comes to blaming is blaming something in you on something or someone else. Okay, I'll, I'll say it again. An excuse many times is blaming something in us on something or someone else. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. Are, could, is it possible that you're doing that? Is it possible that you've been blaming somebody else or something else for, for what's going on in your life? For your shortcoming, for your character defect, for, for your what's turned into an addiction, for your quirk. For, for your little thing that you do that you don't want to admit that you sometimes do. And, and here's the thing. Some of you, even right now as I talk about it, you might even see that you do that in an area of your life. And you see the need for change. And that's great. Like, that's the first step. But it can't stop there. you got to move. Say move. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, say, stop blaming. And then now turn to your other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time, and say, start moving. Right? We have to, today's the day we're going to stop blaming and we're going to start moving. And oh my gosh, did you pick a good Sunday to come because the example that God has given us today, you're not going, it's almost unbelievable, this story. You won't believe the excuse that was given. You won't believe, believe the blame that is placed in this story. It's nuts. Jesus is a big part of this story. It's in the gospel of John. So John was arguably the closest friend of Jesus. And when they're doing ministry together and he's watching Jesus do these things, he jotted stuff down and it became like in the word of God. Like God was doing it through him. He didn't even know it. So John wrote an experience that he saw. And he saw his friend Jesus walk into Jerusalem one day for a festival. And as he's walking there, Jesus comes across this place where healing is happening. I don't want to give too much away. I'm just going to read it right out of the word of God. I'm going to preach to you out of John chapter 5. I'll start in the third verse. Remember, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. He walks into one of the gates, and there's this place, there's a pool, right, with some porches. And it says, in this area, in these lay a great multitude of people that are messed up. There's sick people, there's blind people, there's lame people, there's paralyzed people. They're waiting, and this is crazy, they're waiting for the moving of the water. What do you mean, moving of the water? Well, it says, an angel would come down at a certain time into the pool. And listen to this. This is crazy. And the angel would stir up the water. So they would see the water stirring. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease they had. Can you imagine such a place? Can you imagine the scene of how many people that were messed up would be around this pool, knowing the miracles that were happening? Then it says, now a certain man was there. He had an, an infirmity. I'll tell you what it was. He was paralyzed for 38 years. That's nuts. 
when Jesus saw the guy lying there, he knew he'd already been in that condition a long time. Of course he knew. He's Jesus. He knew it, and he says to the guy, a weird question. Do you want to be made well? Like, I'm like, I, th- I hear Jesus say that. I'm like, you know, Jesus, no disrespect. Like, you're a pretty righteous guy, but come on, Jesus, duh. Of course he wants to be made well. You're looking at him paralyzed on the floor. Uh, of course he wants to get better. Of course he wants to be healed. Doesn't he? The next verse says, the sick man answered Jesus' question. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another person, they step down before me. Did you catch that? Is that crazy or what? Like what I thought I would read is like, Jesus didn't even get the words out. Do you want to be made well? Yes! Yes! I've heard about you, Jesus. You do amazing things. Yes, I want to be made well. I can't believe of all the people here, you're talking to me. Yes, I want to get better. Yes, I want to walk again. He doesn't give an emphatic yes. You know what he gives? Here's what he offers, an excuse. I'll be more specific. He offers blame. Did you catch it? Uh, sir, no one will, no one will help me. No, no one's going to help get me there. Oh, let me go with blame number two. Um, when, I, when, I, when I am trying, someone cuts. Cut, they cut in line. No one cares about me. They're out to get me. No one's helping me. I'm like 30, 38 years lame. Laying there, sitting there, hover. He did it. Think about this. For 38 years, he could probably do something. Could he at least like nudge? Like just, I mean, every year just like somehow get a few inches Like, just every year, 38 years. By the time 38 years is up, he could be all the way. I mean, wouldn't he? But but why doesn't he do that? See, here's what I think. I think as I read this story, he maybe gets comfortable in his situation. It maybe actually becomes normal. Isn't that weird? And you may be thinking, that's crazy. But think about it. 38 years, uh, year one, he's got some expectations. He's hoping it gets better. It doesn't. Year two, it's like, ah, eh, well, you know what? It's not that bad. Here's a formula that you may fall in. It was the one I think he fell in. Things started out for him as bad. Say bad. But, but after a little bit of being in it, they can become bearable. Say bearable. So it's bad, but it becomes bearable. And as he sits there, or as he lays there, he's like, you know what? I got Bob over there. Bob brings me food every day. I mean, this isn't that bad. Jim, I stole Jim's login for his Netflix. I'm, I, I'm good. You know, this, I, I can do this. So it goes from bad to, ah, it's not so bad. It's bearable. And soon you know what bearable becomes? Normal. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jake, Jake, my son, plays baseball. And we've been blessed many years that he's gotten on good teams. We've, we've won some championships. It's been fun. But there was a year, and it was, it was a while ago, but there was a year when Jake's baseball team, uh, it, I wouldn't even say it was bad. Like, it hurt physically to watch. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. It was like the bad news bears would have routed you. You know what I'm saying? And you know it. You had kids on your team. I could show them a baseball and a cantaloupe, and they would like, I don't know. It's the same to me. They would not. It wasn't good. And we knew it was bad. The first game, it was horrible. 
But you know what? After about game three, it was bearable. Because we got, all right, you know, we were, the expectations were pretty low. I'm like, well, we scored a run. Yes, we're doing great. You know, it didn't matter that we got beat. We scored. And by the end of that season, what started as bad and became bearable was normal. End of the season, I'm like, Jake, team, go get them. Get out there, get your butt kicked, and then we'll go get ice cream, all right? Make it quick. It was just normal. What about you? What started as bad and you knew it? The relationship? You knew it was a dead end before you got in it. You knew it was a wreck. But you know what? After a little bit, ah, it's bearable. It's probably better than being alone, isn't it? And pretty soon, it's normal. And it's normal to you, but your friends look at it and they're like, I can't believe he or she is still doing that. And it might not just be a relationship. There could be multiple things that fall into this category. A dead-end job. You hated it from day one. It was miserable from the start. But now it's bearable. Now it's not bearable. It's normal. It's what you do. You grind through each day to get to the next. And hopefully Friday gets here soon. It happens in, every, it happens in so many different areas of our life. Heck, addiction. I can speak to that. The habit that you started, you knew when you started it, it wasn't a good thing. I'll just try it. I'll just go there once. And it's bad. I know it's bad. I know it's frowned upon. But, you know, if you don't try it, how do you know? And pretty soon what was bad in, the, in that habit became bearable. And soon, all of a sudden, what was bearable is normal. And it's not a habit anymore. It is a full-blown addiction. And you know it. it, it it's crazy. From bad to bearable to normal. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I know that... For me, for one thing. The longer that we do that, the longer that we lay by the pool, the longer that we learn to function in our dysfunction, the more we learn to compensate and the more we learn to tolerate. Isn't that crazy? And here's what I promise you. You will never change what you're willing to tolerate. You never will. I'll put up with it. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's such a, when you're in it, you don't see it. Some of you, you might see it. I, I, put, I said in the beginning, you see a need for change. But, but I want to lovingly tell you, seeing a need for change and making the change are two very different things. They're two very different things. Seeing is, is a beginning, and that's necessary. Computer locked up. Satan, you have no authority in my computer over my technology right now. Yeah, always have a backup plan, Jake, Okay. Always say backup plan. You got to have a backup plan. So, Jesus, I didn't even give you Jesus' response. Do you remember what he asked the guy? Do you want to get well? And the dude's like, I don't know what can help me. He's cutting in front of me. And then Jesus, what does Jesus say? The very next thing Jesus says, rise, pick up your bed, pick up your mat, and walk. I'm like, that's not even fair. Jesus, I don't get it. Like, he didn't even say, yes, he wanted to be healed. He didn't show faith. He didn't show that he believed. You're not even, you want to talk about not following rules. Jesus, the angel, didn't even come down and do the little stir thingy in the water. That didn't even happen. He didn't even get wet. And you're telling him to get up and, and grab his bed and be healed? That you're not following the rules. But you know what? Can I tell you what Jesus cares about more than rules? Relationship. Can I tell you what Jesus cares about more than rules? Restoration. 
redemption. Seeing you step out of your dysfunction, step out of your prison, and into the purpose he has for you. That's what he loves. Jesus says, forget the rules. Get up. Rise up. Walk. And, and what is the guy? I mean, it's so crazy. Rise, get up and walk. And immediately, the, the verse 9 says, immediately the man's made well. And he does what Jesus said. Grabs his bed, picks it up, and he walks. This is why I love Jesus so much. You notice, this is kind of abrupt. Like, in no record there does Jesus reach down and, and help him up. Remember, one time Peter and John helped a paralyzed guy up as he was getting healed. Jesus, no record even touched the guy. Jesus, it doesn't say that Jesus comforted him. Oh, Jesus knelt down and he prayed over his body and prayed for healing. Jesus counseled the man. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Jesus didn't pacify him. He didn't counsel him. He didn't pray over him. He didn't do any of that. He didn't pat him on the shoulder and say, there, there. It's going to be okay. Here, just get on my back. I'll give you a piggyback ride to the pool. He didn't do any of that. You know what Jesus did instead? He invited the man to move. He invited the man to step into his own healing process. God, how many times do we get invited in? How many times has Jesus told us, move, rise, pick up? And we just sit on the fringes. We just, this guy lingers by the pool for 38 He lingers by healing for 38 years, but he doesn't participate in it. You know, Pastor, I, I'll, uh, I watch online when I can. I'll watch the message when it's convenient for me, but I'm not going to, like, don't expect me to come to the room and, like, participate. Or if I do come, Matt, just trust me, I'm going to sit in the back and I'm not going to talk to anybody. Don't tell me to turn to my neighbor. I ain't turning to my neighbor. You know? I'm not doing it. Life group, a small group? No, no, no. Sunday's plenty, Pastor. I'm not gonna, and if I ever did do a small group, I ain't getting vulnerable. I ain't getting real. I'm just going to kind of stay on the fringes. But Jesus keeps inviting us into something greater. To, to participate. Say participate. Yes. He wanted him to participate. Rise. Pick up your mat. Walk. So huge. that he. And I wrote this down. I said in many ways, if you look at the guy with the infirmity, the paralyzed guy, you know, the sick guy. If you look at his life, I put down, in many ways it looks like he had given up. But yet he was still enticed enough to stay by the pool. To stay close to the healing. I, I can't wait to ask Jesus, like, why he picked him. Is it because maybe the guy was just, he didn't, like, roll away from the pool eventually. He just kind of stayed there. Jesus, why did you select him? Why did you say to him, why do you ask him, do you want to be healed? Jesus already knew the answer, but I think he wanted the, the guy to know the answer. He definitely wanted him to participate. God, he wants us to participate. He wants us to, and, and, and you might be thinking, wait a minute. The guy was, par the guy, he, he, he couldn't move, right? He couldn't get there. Let's go back to the guy's answer for a second. Put, we can put up part of verse seven. The sick man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. You know what my first thought is for that? Like you think of, so there he's blaming somebody, right? He's blaming the people around him. You know what my thought is? Scoot to some different people. 
Some of you, you need to surround yourself with different people, if I can be honest with you. We've said it before. Who you surround yourself with will determine the story that you tell and the story that your kids tell. That's how important your surroundings are. I, I, I kind of wanted Jesus to say that. You, why don't you find some people that do want to help you? Well, I'm just around negative people. Well, then I would get around positive people. Well, all they do is they want to gossip and bring me down. Then I would find people that raise you up. I'd find people that want to celebrate your success even when they're not having success. Find people that want to celebrate what's happening in your life. Surround yourself with those people. That's why we bring up life groups, our small groups. That's why I cannot encourage you enough to join the purest form of the church. See, when we sit in rows, it's a beautiful thing. But you know where life change truly happens? Circles. That's where life change truly happens. But yet, and Jesus invites you in today. He says, participate. Come in. Or will you linger by it? Or will you participate in it and say, you know what? I've got tons of stuff going on, but I'm not doing the most important thing. Participating in the plan that God has for me. No more excuses, right? No more excuses. I need to participate. What is, and, and, and we get on this guy, and you might be thinking, you're kind of hard on a guy that's crippled and can't move. Well, put up the rest of the verse, and we can read it all in one context. I have no one to put me into the pool when it's stirred up, but while I'm coming, oh, so you can move. Another translation, you know what it says? While I'm trying, oh, so, so you actually could get there. You could scoot a little bit and get there. But it's easy to let what's bad become bearable and what bearable become, become normal. But he could move. It says it right there. But someone else, say someone else. I'll be honest with you. Do you know, do you know who I want to be in the story? Someone else. I, I, I'm just being honest. Like, like the paralyzed guy, he was blessed. Why Jesus chose him, I don't know. But Jesus' grace is crazy. He reaches out to all of us regardless of where we're at, regardless of what we've done, regardless of where we've been. But, but I look at the story, and I can't help, was the guy supposed to be healed in 38 days? Was he only supposed to lay by the pool for like 38 like minutes? 38 years? In a drug addiction that tried to kill me, it, it was over a decade now, now, out of it now, and leading a church, and us doing life together, and, and, and it being good now, people will say, and they have a great heart, they'll say, gosh, and I, I've even said it, the Lord was building my story, he's building my testimony, that's what he was doing, and he did, here's what I, can we get real, it's okay to be real at church, I don't think God wanted a decade of life ruin to happen for that to happen, I think God was okay building my testimony in 10 weeks, that's what I believe. Oh, that was God's plan. No, I don't think God's plan was me to destroy lives for a decade. I don't believe that. If I want to make myself feel good about it, oh, yeah, and God, no, no, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't think that. I, I, I think I wouldn't participate in God's plan. That's what I think. I think I was busy making excuses. I think I was busy letting bad be bearable and bearable be normal. That's what I think I was busy doing. I think I was busy, like, you know, blaming oh it's them i didn't i grew up my dad died when i was young that's why i get to do this that's what i think i was busy doing now god in all things he works for the good and by his grace i'm so thankful for that but my god don't 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 let the devil lie to you and say oh you, this this hor these horrible decisions you're making i know people friends who have made horrible decisions they're dead and if i could be frank with you they're most likely in hell so i i, I wouldn't I wouldn't, God can use it, 
He can use all of our stupidness if we, you know, but I wouldn't, don't purposely be stupid, okay? I, you'll do that plenty on your own without purposely doing it, and so will I. I've proven it over and over and over. 38 years. I want to be some, I want to be the guy or the gal in that story that was cutting in front of him. I'm not trying to be rude, sir, but you're, you, you've been laying in that same spot for a year and a half now. You haven't moved a centimeter. So I know you're probably going to blame me for cutting in front of you, but you, you haven't moved in a year and a half. So I, I want the healing. I want God's grace. I want forgiveness. I want a second chance. I want new life. I know you're going to blame me because you've done that for a while, but I want to be somebody else. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were healed in that pool. You know why? They believed that God could do it. They believed it. So, sir, I, you don't believe. I'll be, I'm going to step in. I'm going to get it. I want it. Today, Jesus Christ invites you to step in. Like, no more excuses. No more blaming. Just move. Stand up. Pick up your bed and walk. Because when you move, it moves God to move in you. It does. Oh, that's the point. When you move, say move. It moves God to move in you. So what I do determines what God does? Absolutely. Oh, God's will is going to happen no matter what. No, it's not. God's will, for the most part, does not happen. Did you know that? Every time that you and I sin, God's will is not happening. And every decision that you make and every sin that you make and I make deters God's will. Oh, but God still can, in all things, God works for the good. He does. But it doesn't have to be that painful. And there, there's casualties. There's shrapnel. There's bodies laying by, by, by the road. There's, there's souls in hell. God's will is not automatically happening. I'd say his will is automatically not happening for the most part. Look at the world. You think that's God's will? So, but God, but God wants to move in your life, but he needs you to move. He needs you to participate. He needs you to stop blaming other people for the stuff that you've caused and you've done. And I, trust me, you, you probably not, I've probably caused more pain than anybody. So, so I, I hope you don't feel like I'm like somehow judging what you've done. Oh my gosh. Here's what I love about the story, though. I still, don't, I still don't understand why he picked that guy. I'm going to ask Jesus, why'd you pick him? Why'd you do it? How, how come him? And, and, and I don't know. But, but I still want to be somebody else. I want to be the someone else who wants it, who's, des who's desperate. And that's a word I want to leave you with because I think it's a beautiful word. It's not one that you want. It's not one that you would want to associate with yourself. I'm, de I'm in desperation. I'm a desperate person. You don't want to say that, our, our, our ego and our pride, and well, it's not going to allow us to say that. It's like saying, I'm a broken person. I'm a horrible person. Desperate. The someone else was desperate enough to jump in the water. It stirred. It moved. They didn't care. They're jumping in. I don't know if it was an angel in the water or somebody just had gas, but whatever. I don't care. I'm jumping in. If I'm wrong, I'll, jump. I'll get back out and we'll do it again. I want it. As I read scripture, I look at how Jesus moves and there's a pattern. This is huge for you and huge for me. What seemed to move Jesus was desperate people. I'm just, that seemed to move him. 
because they were moving. A prostitute that breaks into a room, busts into a room, and, and uses her hair to wash his feet. Oh my God, does it get more desperate than that? And Jesus blesses her. A prominent tax collector scales a tree to just to see him. And Jesus says, I gotta be with you today. Four friends do a little breaking and entering to get their friend to Jesus. And Jesus says, my gosh, your faith, it healed your friend. A woman claws, scratches, pushes, shoves, cuts, you could say in front of the crowd, just to touch a robe of the, of the king. If I just touch the fringe. And Jesus says, woman, your, your move has made you well. It isn't me that's done it. You did it. If you don't push and shove and, and become someone else and cut, you don't get it. Do you want it? Are you desperate enough? Are you broken enough? As a pastor, my dream is to see people come in desperate and broken and hurting. And, and that seems crazy, but those are the, that's where I was. I didn't want a different life until I was so dead and broken and desperate. I had no other choice. I always tell people, they're like, Pastor, we want you to pray. We need the pastor to pray. I'm like, you don't want me to pray for you. You probably don't want me to pray. Because you come up to me and pray. I'm like, God, I don't even know this person, but crush them in the name of Jesus. Break them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, give them a horrible day in the name of Jesus. They're like, dude, you're right. I Don't ever pray for me again, you know. I'm just saying. Your faith, that woman who bled for 12 years, your faith has made you well. Because you moved, I moved in you. The desperate. So, so God, Thursday night, and if you came to prayer and worship night, it was, there was God's anointing all over it. I can't describe it. You can't describe the Holy Spirit. It's just indescribable. Uh, I shared with them, and I'm going to share it with you, because God has laid this on my heart about desperation. The, we, today we celebrate Crossover Church. And, and Pastor Casey and them launching, and, or uh, their first birthday. And we, we are a church that plants churches because that's how you spread the word of God. By the way, we, I should say we plant people. You. You spread the word of God. Don't start thinking it's some organization or some entity. It is you. Many of you went to crossover. And, and you will go to other church plants, and some of you will, and some of you, you'll do whatever God, I hope, moves you to do or tells you where to move. So I, I'm reading through Acts, and that's where the first church, you know, started. Jesus said, hey, go love people, reach people, bless people, baptize people, and then teach them to do the same. And keep doing that over and over and over and tell as many people about me until I come back again. And this is where we're at. The first church had no idea what to do. Like none. Makes me feel good about myself. Like they had none. Jesus didn't say, well, you're going you're gonna to gather together and then you're going you know, to start with some music and then you're going to have a prayer time and then the pastors. And then, no, no, Jesus said, you figure it out. I told you what to do. You figure out how to do it. So they had no clue. So you know what they did? Something crazy and powerful. They prayed. And they worshiped. They moved. In Acts 13, the church is just, just I mean, they've gathered some people together. And, and, and Saul, who later becomes Paul and Barnabas, they get sent out to start planting Churches that plant churches that plant churches that plant Meadows Church. Acts 13. Don't miss this. 
One day, the men were worshiping. They were moving. The Lord and fasting. As much as I want to bypass that word, God won't let me. So they pray, they, they worship and they fast, and the Holy Spirit speaks. Let me ask you a question. Does the Holy Spirit speak if they're not doing that? I don't think so. I don't think so. We want the Holy Spirit to speak. We want God to move. God, give me a direction. What do I do with my kid? What do I do in my marriage? What do I do at work? But yet we're not moving towards him. We're not worshiping him. We're not fasting. We're not praying. We're not doing the things that move the heart of God to move in us. And, and, and I'm, I'm, right now I'm talking to me, so don't feel like, I mean, God was like, oh, on me. I'm like, okay. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, appoint those two guys, Saul and Barnabas, for special work I've called them to do. God's called you to do special work. You. They're not special. But God was, and he had special work for them. So, so you know what they do? You think they'd be like, all right, Saul and Barnabas, let's go. No, no, no. We got what we wanted from God. The Holy Spirit spoke to us. Yes, let's do it. No, no, no. You know what they did? What'd they do? Put up, the, put up verse three, would you please? So after more fasting and prayer. I'm like, I don't get it. Why would you keep doing it? The Holy Spirit spoke. You got what you wanted. God blessed you. You got the job. You got the promotion. You got the money, right? Your marriage is better. The kid's okay. She got better. That person's not ill anymore. Move on. Do your, live your life. They're like, are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit just spoke to us. God, I want more of that. Okay, we know what we're doing next. He said we're going to go. Okay, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Let's fast, let's fast, let's fast. Let's worship, let's worship, let's worship. And, and then the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. I have a question. How do they know where to go? Well, I don't, I'm not going to give you any more of it. You can read it on your own. I'll give you a hint. The Holy Spirit speaks again and says, Saul, Barnabas, go that way. And they go that way. And they start planting the bride of Christ. People. And the world was changed forever. They weren't smart. They weren't special. They just moved. They just moved. They, oh, the, when you worship God, I'm so proud of you for being here today because that's huge. We worship God. So, so God is the fasting thing I can't get around. And I want to in my humanness. But, but fasting for me is desperate. And that's exactly where God wants us. But it's hard for me. Okay? Because I'm like, I'm going to fast. And then pretty soon it's Thanksgiving. And then Christmas rolls around. And then Easter rolls around. And then summer. And then it's Friday. And then it's Tuesday. I'm like, I can't do it. Whatever. I'll come up with any excuse. Desperation. The, Saul and Barnabas and those, those, the, the people there, they were desperate. You know why? They had no idea what they were doing. Our king just left up in the clouds. We have no clue. He, has, he expects things of us. Saul, do you know what to do? <laughs> nope. Dude, I was, uh, I was killing Christians like last week. I have no idea what to do. None. Barnabas, you know? Cyrus, you know? Simon, you know? Nope, no idea. Oh my God, I'm desperate. God, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna worship you. I need you to speak and the Holy Spirit speaks. Would you go on a journey with me through the end of the month? Would you collectively pray with me and our church? Online, if you're watching online, we want, we're, I want you to do the same. Could we pray collectively? A few years ago, I said, put 923 in your phone. 
like set 9.23 a.m. in your phone. It goes along with Daniel 9.23 where an angel says, God heard your prayer and he sent me. It's, it's, it's amazing. So at 9.23, we pray together. Drop what you're doing, you pray. And pray what God lays on your heart. I'll give you something corporately you can pray. Um, expansion. That's the word that I want to give you. And you'll hear it a lot over the next few months. Expansion for your life. I want expansion for your family. I want expansion on your calling. I want expansion for your purpose. I want God to, I want God to bless you in many ways so that you can bless others. But he can't do it unless you move with what you have right now. Uh, uh, the location expansion. What are we doing here? We rent. God's doing weird things. I don't know what. Pray about the location. Pray about where God would have us. Pray about what's going on. Just pray. But I'm going to ask you to fast as well. And how you do that will be up to you. We always fast at the beginning of the year as a church. And God was so convicting to me. He's like, Monty, you do it because, you know, that's what you do. And, but you don't do it any other time of the year. And he's right. And maybe that's you too. Maybe you've never fasted. It just means abstaining from, from, from food. For, and, and how you do it, you might, maybe you skip a meal. Maybe, for me, I do a five and two, which means for two days, I just have uh, coffee and water. And you might say, why do you have coffee? Because I don't want to kill people. That's why. God don't want me to do that. So that's why. So you do it however you want. But, but in the other five days, I try to eat healthy. But two days, it's just, it's just liquid, water and coffee. And whatever two days you pick, I don't care, whatever. There, we actually have examples you can just look at on our webpage, the prayer, prayer tab, and then it says 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, but it'll give you, there's a link for examples on how you can fast. You, you know, everybody's got different health things, so I don't want to tell you what to do, but you should be abstaining from food in some way or a type of food, whatever you decide. Would you do that through the end of the month with me and then pray about doing it longer if God leads you to? But corporately, I believe God wants us to do that. And I believe that we want to do that because we want God to move in us. Otherwise, what's the point? Are we just going to keep coming to church every Sunday, getting a word, and then just going and living our lives? Even though you might be doing that, I know deep down you don't want that. I know that you want more. And I want to push me as the leader and push you as the church for more, to move for desperate. What is the point of weekly worship? The point of weekly worship isn't just attendance. The point of weekly worship is participation in the body of Christ. That, not just to check church off the list, but it's to gather together and, and to worship God and to go to God and say, God, I need guidance. God, I need renewal. God, I need change. And that we might be a change to somebody else who needs it. That's what it is. That's what God is calling us to. Let's pray and fast together through the end of the month. Let's stop making excuses and let's not stop blaming. Let's start moving and participating. And you might think, I'm so messed up and you want me to do this and that. Let me tell you something. And you might be thinking, I'm the one that needs the miracle. I'm the lame guy. <laughs> I'll say what I've said before. Every miracle starts with a problem. If you didn't have problems, you wouldn't need a miracle. There is no miracle for the man if he's not paralyzed. There is no miracle for a drug addict if he didn't have some issue or problem. I'm not saying ask for it. We're going to have it. You're going to have the lame. You're going to have the issues. You're going to have the paralyzed. You're going to have the blind spiritually, physically. Every miracle starts with a problem. It was never God's plan, but he had a plan B. 
Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus walking into that pool area and seeing all these just decrepit, lame, broken people? You know what I bet? I bet it broke the heart of Jesus. I bet he looked around and thought, my people, my creation, you, I, may, I created you in my image. You weren't supposed to be like that. You weren't supposed to not see. You weren't supposed to not hear. But that's the way the world is. That's why Jesus came in the flesh, by the way, because of all the infirmities and the sickness, not just around us, but in us. Don't miss this. That guy that he paralyzed, that guy that he paralyzed, I still got two hours, so I'm good. Um, that guy that he paralyzed, he didn't paralyze him. That guy, that sounded bad. Can we edit that out? Anyway, so that guy that was paralyzed, that Jesus encountered, that wasn't the last interaction. Jesus had to see him again. He had to. I think Jesus was desperate to see him again. You're talking about, well, what do you mean? If you keep reading John 5, you know what you'll read? Jesus went to go find him in the temple because the man was still dead. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Now that you're well, now that your limbs work, now that you're walking and you're jumping, and by the way, I like that you're in my temple. I like that you're praising the Father. Good. But know this. Stop what you're doing. Stop sinning. Stop living that way. Stop blaming others. Stop that addiction. Stop talking that way. Stop lying. Stop. Stop. Otherwise, don't miss it. Otherwise, something worse may even happen. I bet the guy's like, what in the heck? What? Is he trying to scare me? I mean, Jesus loved him. Jesus wasn't after the physical healing. He did it because he wanted something greater for the man. The man was spiritually dead. He could heal him for a few years and then he dies and goes to hell for a trillion. Does that make sense? Who cares if you're healed? This isn't your home. This world is not your home. Why would Jesus say that? Stop, repent, turn from your ways. Now that you walk, tell people about me and stop living that way. That's what he says. What, what's worse? I, hell forever would be worse. That's worse. Jesus knew it. Why would he make a point to go back and tell the guy? So Jesus comes. Why Jesus was even walking around on the earth <coughs> wasn't just for him, but it was for you and I. So Jesus knew this guy was messed up. And then he went to a cross not long after this to die on it for him and for you and for I. You're either spiritually alive or spiritually dead. People that are spiritually dead have not called on the name of Jesus believed in only him for salvation, said he's the son of God, asked him to come into your life and make you new and ask for forgiveness and say, I don't want to live that way anymore. Save me and set me free. When that happens, the Holy Spirit will enter into you. If you truly are authentic and you want to change, you got to move. I love it. You want God to move in you, you move. Your faith is what saves you. If you don't exercise faith, you won't be saved. God's, God loves everybody, true. He just doesn't save everybody, because not because he don't want to, but because they don't respond. They didn't move. I guess they weren't desperate enough. I am grateful that I was desperate enough 
to want it because I don't know if I would have came to Christ any other way. So that was a good thing. I want it for you. Jesus cared about that man's soul way more than his body. Make no mistake. So what is our action items, God? We're worshiping you today. And I know that you smile at that. You like that. But you want it authentic. Don't just come and show up and check it off and go live your life. Will you start to live differently? Will you pray with me at 923 in the morning, wherever you're at? Will you fast through the end of the month for sure? Just pick. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's a meal or two. It's, it's, you, you pray about that. You pray. If you're, if you're real with God, he'll, he'll tell you. Go to the website. Look at the different ways you can do it. Will you surrender your life to Jesus? That's what he was asking him to do. Don't do that anymore. And notice, the, notice Jesus didn't, didn't say, hey, pray this special prayer. Jesus didn't even say, hey, believe in the guy that just healed you. Jesus didn't say that. You know what he said? Stop sinning. Your repentance has everything to do with your salvation. You're, saving, you're saved by believing in Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins. Many people believe in Jesus. They know of him. He, he is just not here. Because when it's here, you'll want to live differently. You won't be perfect doing it but you'll want to live differently. And if you have no desire to stop sitting in an area of your life or areas of your life, you're probably not saved. I'm not saying you don't believe in him. Devil believes in him. I just want you to know him. I just want you to surrender everything to him. No more secrets, no more blaming, no more lies. Just Jesus. Say just Jesus. Just you, Jesus. We just want you. God, my biggest prayer is that people will understand that here's what's crazy. God, we will pray for people on their deathbed. They could be 98 years old and wanting to die. And we will do everything we can to keep them alive. Does that tell you how temporal we live? Does that tell you how much we don't believe in the kingdom of God? How much we don't believe in eternity? God, help us understand that this isn't our home. Help us understand that we can be blessed with money for a season. We can be blessed with riches. We can be blessed with health. But it will all be ripped away. Gain the whole world. Gain your, your legs. Gain your sight. Gain your hearing. And lose your soul? Why would Jesus rush back into the temple? He loved him. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. Stop living that way. You know why, sir? Because I want to live with you not just today in the temple, but forever. See, I hope the paralyzed guy is in heaven. I don't know if he is, and neither do you. But I hope he is. I want to meet him someday and hear more of the story. How do you get to heaven? Believe in Jesus Christ by faith that he's the son of God. Surrender your life to him. Ask him to forgive you and make you new. And then ask the Holy Spirit to start changing you. And, and, and starting with your mind, that's repentance. That's what helps you to stop doing what you're doing. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard it. All you need to do now is by faith respond to it and mark your decision for us so we can celebrate and walk with you. Fast with me. Pray with me. Move with me. God, move with us. Help us do what you're calling us to do. We love you. We thank you. I love God, I, I, I leave with a psalm in your word. Today is the day and you've made it. Today is the day we get to relish in it. We get to bask in it. We get to be with others in it. Today is the day that you have made, Lord. 
May we rejoice. May we worship. May we pray and fast and do what you're calling us to do and be glad in it. If we do those things, God, you'll speak, you'll move, and our world will never be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.